from Car Rigs and Ingram, this is It Figures, the CRI podcast, an accounting, advisory, and industry-focused podcast for business and organization leaders, entrepreneurs, and anyone who is looking to go beyond the status quo. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another uh, episode of CRI's podcast, It Figures. My name is Jimmy Woodall. I am the consulting service line leader here at CRI, and joining me today is Chad Singletary. Chad is a partner in our Montgomery office, uh, and he's going to talk to us about uh, something called uh, direct examinations. Chad, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Jimmy? I'm doing great. Great. Uh, this is an exciting topic that we've got, and we're, we're thrilled to have Chad with us. Chad uh, was actually on the Auditing Standards Board for the AICPA and was on the Attestation Standards Task Force for five years, just rolled off that. So Chad, uh, Chad had a lot to do with, with writing uh, and de- developing this new standard that came out uh, on direct examination. So, so a little background. Last fall, uh, as part of their convergence efforts, the ASB came up with a statement on standards for attestations number engagements, excuse me, number 21, uh, and primarily has to do with this thing called uh, direct examinations. So uh, let's just get right into it. Chad, tell us a little bit about what a direct examination is and, and how is that different from uh, the other type of examinations that clients might be able or, or, or currently are getting from their AI or from their CPAs? Uh, it's important. I think it's probably important for everybody to understand that we're over in the SSAEs uh, for this type of service, which is a statement on standards for attestation engagements. So typically the information we're working with is not historical financial statement information. Uh, in the past, uh, we had a section called ATC 205, which was examinations. That has been modified now to be assertion-based examinations. And the reason for that tweak is the introduction of uh, ATC 206, which is now direct examinations. It really represents a completely new service that CPAs will be able to offer to clients with regard to non-historical financial statement information. And the primary differences between ATC 205 and the new 206, really just a couple of, of significant differences. The first is that In the new direct engagements, uh, we no longer have to obtain an assertion from management uh, with regard to the information or the calculations or things of that nature. The other thing that's different is that in in an old style examination, uh, management, you'll you'll hear me say this a couple times today, management was required to go first. That means that they needed to take the underlying data, transactions, or whatever the case may be, and apply calculations or various things to it, and then present that information in accordance with criteria. They had to do that first, and then the and they would then they would make an assertion about it to the practitioner, and then the practitioner would uh, perform the examination and have an opinion with regard to that information. So, big difference here. No, in this new service, no longer have to get a, an assertion from the client, and the client does not have to go first, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but that's a big change and, and is structurally a big part of what the uh, ASB was trying to do, introducing this new service. Yeah, um, interesting that, that you that you say that there, Chad. Um, give us a little bit more background on terms of, of how SSAE 21 came about, like what what, uh, what all was, was the ASB thinking? 
and, and what was their intent in trying to create this, trying to get away from or to create the distinct separate service from what is assertion based and then this new direct uh, examination? What, what was the thought process there? Well, well, a couple of things there that sort of can, that came together. I'll start to say converge because that, that's actually one of the big pieces or the one drive, one of the drivers here. It, for those out there who may be listening who are, who are not intimately familiar with standard setting process in the U.S., especially with the ASB, a lot, a lot of times the ASB is monitoring and observing what is going on internationally, uh, particularly with the IAASB, the International Auditing and Insurance Standards Board. Uh, so basically, what goes on, they participate in that board too as well, but what goes on there, the ASB monitors and then takes a look at standards that come from there and says, okay, is this applicable in a U.S. environment? Do we need to tweak our standards? Do we need new standards to align with or to converge is the word that is often used. Uh, and in this case, the IAASB uh, issued ISAE, uh, in a, uh, standard on assurance engagements 3000 and so that's really where it started the the asb was taking a look at 3000 and determining uh, which 3000 is really direct engagements in an international setting and so the, the asb started looking at it and trying to determine if, if that was needed in the u.s it did not exist so it was determined there was a need uh, so really one big uh, driver here was convergence and that is true with almost all standards that the asb works with uh, the other was this uh, perception and feedback from practitioners about practitioners' need, or excuse me, clients' need for practitioners to help them. Uh, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, this concept of management going first. Well, sometimes uh, clients or management have a need for an attestation or an opinion on certain types of information, but they may not have the expertise or the experience to perform that first calculation. Uh, and they need the assistance of a practitioner to do so. So this, uh, that's really the crux of what this new standard allows, is it allows the practitioner, and we'll talk a little bit more about this as we move along, the practitioner to, to get down in the weeds a little bit with the client with, re with regard to the actual calculations. And I'm using calculation, but it could, it could be other forms also. Let's talk about independence. So, you know, on attestation engagements, the, the AICPA requires that their CPAs are independent. It, 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 do they still have to be independent for direct examinations, or has any of that changed? That was really the interesting part of being on the task force, Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> in fact, it was it was almost a you know just a stopgap because uh, the you know the gold standard or one of the gold standards of our profession is independence and obviously integrity and objectivity, but independence. When it comes to opining on information, independence is paramount. Absolutely. So when you start discussions of the CPA maybe getting involved with the client in uh, helping them with certain calculations or measurements, uh, then a lot of folks in the room's eyes open up wide and they go, wait just a minute, what about independence? If a CPA does that sort of thing, Aren't they going to aren't they going to trip up independence and therefore, you know, basically their opinion might not be as good if they're not independent. So so in this new uh, ATC 206, a couple of really, really important concepts uh, were established. And, and these concepts come from ISAE 3000, uh, the international standard. And there's a, a little bit of nuance here and getting used to this terminology. Uh, 
even took me a bit of time, but once you think about it, it makes sense. And, and there's two words here that are introduced in this new standard. Uh, the first is underlying subject matter. And the second is subject matter information. Pause for a second, because a lot of people are probably sitting there going, well, that sounds like the same thing to me. But differentiate them in this way. Underlying subject matter, think about raw data, transactions, uh, narrative memos, things of that nature. Subject matter information, think about calculations, evaluations, perhaps tables or reports or presentations related to that underlying subject matter. I will illustrate, I can illustrate it by using things that we see in the, in the historical financial statement world. Okay, so think about deferred taxes. Uh, CPAs help clients with deferred tax calculations quite often. <clears throat> the, in that scenario, the underlying subject matter might be the tax return, the depreciation schedule, various schedules and general ledger accounts that give rise to all the components of deferred tax. That would be the underlying subject matter. And then the subject matter information would be the actual deferred tax calculation, the entries to the GL, and the disclosures associated with that. Uh, so it's really important to draw the distinction between those two, underlying subject matter, subject matter information. And the reason for that is because where independence gets preserved is that somebody other than the, in this engagement, someone other than the CPA must accept responsibility for the underlying subject matter. Typically, that's going to be your client. They are responsible for the data, the transaction, the narratives, the things underlying uh, the calculation. So the, 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 for you to perform an ATC 206 direct engagement, somebody has to assume responsibility for the underlying subject matter information. That is, the, that is really the, the, the primary thing that preserves uh, independence. Yeah, great. So very, very important for companies out there wondering if they're trying to get one of these direct examinations that they know uh, the distinction between that underlying subject matter, that subject matter information, and and being able to help maintain independence in that, because that's what makes those uh, reports so valuable, like you said. So along those same lines, let's say that, you know, I'm, I'm a CFO or I'm a COO or, or someone, you know, management a company, and I'm looking to get uh, a direct examination for my CPA. What are some types of uh, direct examinations that, that CPA might perform? And then what are some examples of uh, engagements that would not be done under this new standard and would, would revert back to the old standard or some other type of guidance? Well, I'll, uh, I'll talk a little bit about uh, two that are actually mentioned in the standard. They are, they're mentioned by way of illustrative reports, uh, example reports. And then I'll mention one that, that's not in the standard, but you can sort of start drawing conclusions about how it might be applied. And when I talk about them, I, I will first go back to these concepts of under, underlying subject matter and then subject matter information. So the first would be if, if, a, if a CFO needs uh, a, a CPA to express assurance uh, with regard to their investment return, okay, for a period or periods of time so that they might provide that to, let's say, shareholders or financial institutions that they do business with, or you can dream up a number of scenarios that might be needed. So in that example, 
the client's underlying subject matter would be mostly investment transactions. Okay, detail investment transactions executed over a period of time, whether that be a day, a month, or a year, or a quarter, any period of time. So underlying subject matter, investment transactions. Uh, subject matter information might be, there's a number of ways you could probably present this, but uh, the CPA might perform calculations of ROI uh, daily, monthly, quarterly, annually, uh, by security type, by, uh, by industry segment area, and then they might present a table of ROI based on those variables that I just talked about. So the transactions might be USM. The resulting calculations and report or, or tables might be the SMI uh, in that scenario. Another one that's mentioned in the standard is uh, daycare safety policies. So imagine that a daycare organization has various narratives, policies, manuals uh, representing their safety policies. That's the underlying subject matter. And they're asking a CPA to opine on whether or not those policies are in accordance with the criteria of some national think tank for daycare facilities. Okay, so uh, the in this case, the narratives and the various policies are underlying, and then the report that would determine if they are in compliance would be the subject matter information that the CPA generates as a, as a result of the engagement. Uh, third, quickly, uh, another example is uh, square footed buildings, square footage, uh, uh, mappings of departments and what square footage was de uh, dedicated to certain efforts in, let's say, a not-for-profit. Uh, that might be our underlying subject matter, which the, which the client is responsible for. Uh, and then let's say we need to opine on how much square footage is, is dedicated to or being used for certain uh, programs or grant programs. Then the CPA might take that underlying subject matter information they might perform those calculations, allocations, and present that in a, in a format that would be the subject matter information and that indicates and that is opined on that, that those, those facilities are being dedicated to the programs as they should be based on certain grants. So for me, there's about three examples, but uh, this is a new standard, obviously a new service. Uh, and who knows where practitioners may take this as they meet needs of clients for assurance on that type of information. As far as um, pro uh, prohibited direct engagements, if you're familiar with the, the SSAEs, uh, there are some special sections in there uh, in the SSAEs. So you're, at, and this was a little bit of a, a lot of people were really hoping that this would not be the case, it would not be prohibited. Some of these things are not prohibited in the international standard, but they are in the U.S. standard. That is things like uh, you're not allowed to perform a direct engagement on compliance attestation. You're not allowed to perform a direct engagement on service organization like SOC work. Okay, there, and there are, there are a few others, but I mentioned those two because the, the task force and really ultimately ASB felt like management's assertion with regard to compliance and management's assertion with regard to internal controls in a, in a in a SOC setting, for example, were just far too important uh, to the engagement to allow direct engagements in those two cases. So just be aware there are a few, about five uh, areas that direct engagements are not, are spe specifically prohibited in the standard. Very, very interesting. It also sounds like, Chad, is, is that maybe that um, 
you know, some engagements that, that a CPA might have previously done under, under AUPs. Uh, sounds like they've got a new avenue to, to do some work here uh, where they can, you know, like those calculations that you mentioned, they might be able to do that um, and, and help their clients out a bit more and give them a little bit more than uh, that would have been restricted under the old AUP uh, guidance. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, that's fair, especially to you uh, when might be similar to an AUP, but seeking a higher level of assurance. Gotcha. Uh, uh, so that that might that could be a good fit. Again, a, a new standard uh, that CPA and this was the intent where CPAs can uh, fit the standard to the client need within the parameters of the standard. All right. So can you tell us when uh, SSAE 21 goes into effect? So SSAE, uh, the effective date is, and since it's new exams, it does matter, but uh, reports issued under ATC 206 direct examinations uh, would need to comply with this standard on or after June 15, 2022. Uh, a lot of CPAs are, and other financial people are, are familiar with the standard setting process and effective dates. So an important note here is that early implementation is okay. All right, so it's not like we have to wait, uh, you know, another year uh, in order to use this service. Uh, it's just that reports issued have to comply after that day, but early implementation. If, if today, uh, if CPAs are interested in exploring the service, learning more about it, discussing it with their clients for unique situations where it might fit, uh, then that, that's good. They're good to go because early implementation is permitted. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, Chad, we appreciate your time today. We appreciate your, your expertise and uh, telling us about SSAE 21 and and, um, and all that you've been through in terms of, of helping the ASB with that implementation and, and drafting that. And, and certainly, like I said, we're glad to have your expertise and, and experience on that out there telling uh, our folks, our practitioners, and our, uh, our clients out there about the service. We're excited about it. We think it's going to, again, offer a new level of service and, and, and opportunities for our clients to, to get some assurance that uh, they may have been kind of handcuffed on a little bit in the past. So we certainly appreciate that. With that, we're going to wrap things up. We appreciate everybody in your time today, this afternoon, and everybody take care. And with that, we'll go. If you want more CRI insights or are interested in learning about our firm, please visit our website at CRICPA.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of It Figures, the CRI podcast. You can subscribe to It Figures on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review.